All right. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. Good to see everyone's faces. Uh, as uh, Donnie said, my name is Joe Polino, and so glad to have you here and just loved hearing Matt share about community. Uh, it's already been a rich morning. I feel like I could just let him uh, give the word this morning, but I do uh, just have a, uh, yeah, something I feel like God has put on my heart to share with each of you, and I'm excited to share it. So if you have uh, your Bibles, uh, you can turn to John 15, verse 16. John 15, verse 16, that's where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, you can use uh, the Bible and the seat back underneath the chair in front of you, or it will also be on your screen. And as you're turning to John 15, uh, I have a question for you. What does a successful life look like to you? Or maybe put in more Jesus terminology, what does a fruitful life look like for you? Uh, I remember first being asked this question in a way that pierced through my shallow thinking when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, but I did not go to church. Um, so, but somehow I remember this one particular weekend, I was invited to a church event where the parents were hosting students in their homes and so one mom was leading this Bible discussion. And so I remember her asking this question to the group, hey, what do you want out of life? Uh, you know, and I'm like probably 14, 15. And so we're going around the circle and I'm trying to rack my brain around, okay, like what do I actually think? And this is the first time I think I can remember where I've been put in a situation where I'm not being taught at. I'm actually being asked what I think about a scripture, which is like a life group situation. So I was like, huh, I actually need to pay attention. Um, funny funny how, uh, how small groups will do that. But I remember when it came to me, I said, I think being successful is like the most important thing in life. And so she pressed in and she said, well, what does success look like to you, Joe? And I remember at that moment, uh, I had not thought about this question very much. Uh, I was thinking about getting my driver's license I was thinking about things like uh, getting the girl I had a crush on to notice me. I was thinking about things like, okay, I guess if I'm forward thinking, I want to get a good grades for this college. You know, we want to win state. Everyone wants to win state, you know? So these are things that I'm thinking about. And, and I just, I didn't know. So I told her, I was like, I don't really know what a successful life looks like. And I don't remember anything else from that weekend, but I remember her face and I remember her asking that, that piercing question, Joe, what is, what is important to you? What does a successful life look like? And it stirred up some anxiety that I, I was wrestling with. And that question actually followed me into my college years and my 20s and my 30s. Uh, but somewhere along the way, that question was not an anxiety-causing question. It actually was a great checkpoint for me. Because what I realized, and I'll share a little bit more about this, is about the key to a fruitful life or a successful life is not found in human wisdom or by looking within yourself. It's found in Jesus. And maybe you're like I was and you haven't thought much about this before. And maybe you have thought about this, but you just need a check-in. And so that's where we're going to go this morning. So in John 6.35, this is our theme verse for the year about encountering Jesus. This is after when Jesus multiplied the bread and people were satisfied physically. He said, I have something better than just feeding your stomachs. This is what he said. Jesus said, he declared that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never 
be thirsty. He said, I'm the bread of life. Not just these temporary things like driver's license and, and things like that. No, but it's like there's something deeper. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And, and with that, we need to come to Jesus to find these answers of what a fruitful life looks like. And so we're going to be in John 15, 16, and we'll see three keys for us to live a fruitful life. We can live a fruitful life in Jesus as we remember these three things. God's chosen you and appointed you to bear lasting fruit through intercession. Okay, so those are my, that's where we're going this morning. God has chosen you and appointed you to bear lasting fruit through intercession. Okay, so before we read John 15, 16, as we go into this, little context of what's happening here. So Jesus has just had the Last Supper, and this is the 24-hour period where he is about to be betrayed, he's about to be arrested, he's about to be tortured, he's about to be crucified. Now, the Gospel of John, which we've been traveling through, is 21 total chapters. The chapters from 13 through 18 span a 24-hour period. So John is zooming in, like on a movie, like this is the scene where you need to pay attention to. And what Jesus teaches here, some people call him, the scholars might say, this is like the holy of holies of Jesus' teaching. Because he's about to go and he is downloading everything to his disciples. And so for us, this is really important for us to lean in and pay attention to. And so in John 15, 16, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. So we're going to really, we're just going to focus on this one passage. And as we dive in deep here, we're going to see that God chose you and appointed you to bear lasting fruit through intercession. So that first point, God chose you and appointed you. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So what does this mean? Is he saying that I took over your your brain and that you didn't have any decision in the matter and that you just have to follow me? No, he didn't say that. He's, He's reminding them that, hey, guys, remember that you love me, you follow me because I first loved you that I'm the one that's appointed you. I've chosen you in this. And and if we understand this, uh, it makes such a huge difference in our lives. It makes a huge difference in our lives when we realize that God has been actively knocking on the door of our heart instead of us searching for him, right? So I have four young kids, three of which are of the age where hide and seek is big, okay? So hide and seek is a popular game in our home. Now, did you ever play hide and seek and play this dirty trick on somebody where you are the one seeking, they go hide, and you don't go find them? It's awful. It's terrible. I've, I've, I've never, no, I have done that before. I have to confess, my younger sister, Katie, 20 years later, Katie, I don't know if you're here, uh, but if you listen to this, I apologize 20 years later for my younger sister. I've did this several times. And it's awful because if you're the person who's hiding and you realize no one's looking for you, there's either two things that happen. Either they forgot about you, right? And and they're off doing their own thing. Like, hey, where'd you go? Like, they forgot about you or they did it intentionally to hurt you. Like, I don't know which one's worse. It's awful. It's terrible. I I feel convicted right now. 
But in all truthfulness, some of us feel like this is what God's doing with us because the world, our flesh, and the devil want this to be what we feel is true. That, you know, I believe that there's a God out there somewhere, but he just seems so distant. He just seems so far. Like, I don't understand. And I just want to say very clearly, like, as we look at the scripture, that is not true. Jesus is seeking after you. He has chosen you. He has appointed you. And that he is actively pursuing all of us. This, this, this is such an important truth for us to know. Like, Jesus not only created you, he's not, after, not only seeking after you, Jesus has gone to the darkest and deepest places of agony and hell to rescue you from sin, death, and bring you home. Bring you home to the kingdom of his beloved son, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. This is who God is. This is who he is. Everyone's story is unique on how and when God does this, but the reason Jesus came, he said, is to seek and save the lost. He's the best at hide and seek. He is. John 3, 16 through 17, so familiar, but we need this truth to wash over us and to be reminded is that it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is so big for us to learn that he came to seek and to save you. And then there's other promises in the Bible that are extravagant, that Jesus says, like in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So that was a promise given to Israel in the Old Testament when they were in exile. He's saying, you're, you're, the consequences of your choices have put you away from me, but when you seek me, I'm right here. I'm right here. You will find me. And so you might be in a discovery searching mode right now. Maybe you're here and you don't know why you're here, but you're seeking. God is promising you that as you seek, don't know how it's going to happen, don't know when, but you will be, you will be found. He will find you. And so my story, I've shared it before, so I'm not going to go into depth, but man, I was really angry at God for a lot of my adolescent years and into college. I just... I felt like he was distant. I felt like he didn't care. But that pain caused me to genuinely ask, if you're real, please show up because I need you. And if you're not, I need to know I'm on my own. And within a matter of like a week for me, it was like just answers to prayer through people and things where I look back. And through that period of time, I realized that all throughout those years when I was angry that he was knocking on my door through people, through individuals, through people who were praying for me that I didn't even know it. So just, we need to be reminded that, that he's the one that's pursuing us. We seek him. So how, what do we do with this truth? Well, how does that impact our life? Well, it's, it's a gift, and we need to receive it. We need to let that free gift land on us, that we were not chosen because of what we did. We were chosen ahead of time because of the love and the grace of God. Amen? Okay. So that's God's chosen and appointed you, but he's, he's chosen and appointed you to do what? He's appointed you to bear lasting fruit. So that's point number two, to bear fruit that lasts. Now, Donnie last week did a great job of going through John 15, one through seven. And he talks about Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and the father is the vine dresser or the gardener. 
And the Father will prune branches that are bearing fruit so that they'll bear more fruit and that he lifts up the vines that are on the ground in Jesus so they will be more fruitful. He puts them on the trellis off the ground and he washes them off. It was great. If you didn't have a chance to hear that, I encourage you to go back and listen to Donnie's message. But this imagery is of his church, of each of us bearing fruit, that we were made to bear fruit. But he doesn't just say we're made to bear fruit. We're made to bear fruit that lasts. So there's different types of fruit. There's temporary fruit and there's lasting fruit, okay? So you just th- think about food in general, fruit in general, it doesn't last forever. Even the best meals, you leave it out for 30 minutes, 60 minutes to an hour, like it not only gets bad, it gets rancid, right? I mean, our family, we go through a lot of bananas in our home. They're very inexpensive. They, they, they satisfy, right? We go through lots of bananas, but it's tricky to figure out how many bundles do we get before they bruise, because no one likes the bruised ones. You, you don't want to be that guy that tears the bundle in half. You know, no one, no one likes that leftover banana uh, at the grocery store. But you think about it, what if you had a, a banana that was forever ripe? Like you just put it there and you could decide to eat it whenever you want, but it never went bad. That would be supernatural, right? That's not natural. That would be supernatural. So fruit that lasts is supernatural. It's supernatural. It's something that we cannot produce in our own human effort, in our own uh, understanding. We cannot do it. It's supernatural. So let's just look at a list. I, I just wrote down a few things of, 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 of fruit that is temporary, that's not going to last, and then fruit that will last. Um, I think I have a, a slide in there, guys. They might be out of order. There you go. Awesome. Way to go. So the point of this is we want to major on the fruit that's last, and we want to minor on the fruit that's temporary. So I just put a few, a few things on here that are temporary, and these aren't bad. They're just not going to last forever. Things like food, our physical health, right? Jobs are for a season. Maybe there's retirement you're going into. There's possessions. I mean, the new iPhone's out. The one I have is already obsolete. I got this new shirt. Apparently, a baggy shirts are in. I don't know. My shirts are out. This I let you know my wife handle that. I don't know. So it's like possessions are for a season, okay? And then they're going to be out of date. There's an expiration date. Fame. I mean, maybe you have your 15 seconds in a TikTok generation. Maybe it's five seconds of fame. I don't know. It's not going to last, guys. It's not going to last. I put fantasy football. I hope you do great. I hope my team wins. But, you know, it's, it's just not, it's temporary. It's temporary. But what are things that last? Relationship with God. Relationship with others. Helping others come to Jesus, serving others, giving financially to kingdom purposes, praying for other people. Like when we do these things abiding in Jesus, these things last forever. We can't do them on our own, but with Christ, there's fruit that comes that is supernatural. Are you guys following me? Okay, so what do we do with this? We want to major focus on the things that last over the things that are temporary. So go back to my high school you know, small group situation where I'm probably there because of a crush and I don't know what's happening, but this, this mom asked me, what is a fruitful life? We need to look at the things that will last. In, in a secular terminology, it's like, what's gonna be said at you at your funeral? 
I mean, in biblical terminology, Jesus is saying, I want you to bear fruit that will remain in me. Amen? Amen. So how do we do this? Well, one is just, we need to focus on it. In Colossians 3, 2 through 3, we're instructed to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, we've already died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that's one practical way. But let's, I'm, a, I'm just gonna be real vulnerable and get real with you on this. Now, you might say, Joe, this is all good stuff. I don't disagree. It's just harder to re- live out in real life. And you're absolutely right. I mean, even this week, I felt this way, okay? So I'm preparing for this sermon, and I'm listening to an audio book. It's just a, uh, it's a book on prayer in preparation for this sermon. And it's a really good book. I'd highly recommend it. It's called God on Mute by Pete Gregg. And he's talking about how do we reconcile when God's all loving and all powerful, but we don't see the fruit that we would hope for. And he just, it's such a good book. And so as I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm reading it and I'm listening to it and he's British and he just sounds so smart and he says brilliant all the time. I'm like, that is brilliant. You know, I'm just like, wow. And I'm just like, God, why am I even up here to give the sermon? I should just put on the audio book or put on YouTube and say, this is my contribution this morning. Let's all turn to the screens. Seriously, I was discouraged. Why do you need me? And I was just thinking about this passage and I felt like God said, I've chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. There is fruit you cannot outsource to someone else in your life. We need you. You cannot outsource fruit that's going to only come through you in Christ. Amen? I was just so built up and encouraged because let's just say if Jesus' strategy was to get the gifted and talented people and to get the best teachers, pastors, evangelists, prophets, and to put them at the front and then for everyone else to clap and support them and say, let's go, that would be a very human strategy. He did not do it that way, guys. He didn't do it that way. That's not going to change the world. That, that limits who can actually participate. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to bear fruit, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, for you to do, that you cannot do alone, but that it's only for you to do. There's a reason I'm giving this word this morning. I don't fully know but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it. And that's, my, that's what I want to encourage you to do. And you might feel weak like me. Man, why? let's just have the British guy come up here and do it. I, I, you know, but here, here again in 1 Corinthians 127, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. If you feel weak this morning, if you don't feel wise this morning, guess what? You're God's first pick. You're his first pick for what he wants to do in your family, in your school, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, you. And the other thing is that when Jesus is saying you, it's really y'all. So there's things that he wants to do in you and in us, in this church, in unity with the rest of the body of Christ, in our city, that only he wants to do through us. Do y'all believe this? Y'all with me? 
You were chosen and appointed to bear lasting supernatural fruit with Jesus and with community. You cannot outsource this to someone else. There's something only you can contribute to the body of Christ, something you are, are appointed to do in your workplace, school, and neighborhood. So the last point, what's the key? What's the last key we see in this passage? So how do we do that? If I'm appointed, how do we do that? And this is that God's chosen and appointed you to bear lasting fruit through intercession. Another way to put it is through prayer. Intercession is praying for others. We need to do it through prayer. Let's look again at our, at our passage in John 15, 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Ask. So that's, the, that's one of the keys to living a fruitful life. You ask God for things. You ask God a lot. He says, not in church things, not in things that you might think are, you know, sacred versus secular. He says, in whatever, in all of life, to ask. And he doesn't just say this once. He says this over six times in just five verses in, while in this very teaching. In John 14, 13 through 14, at the Last Supper, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our verse we looked at right now, John 15, 16. I won't read that again, but he says, ask in my name and it will be given. John 16, 23 through 24. I'll skip down. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Do you guys get the picture? He's repeating it over and over. It's not just one verse taken out of context. If you look at all of Jesus' teaching on prayer from the persistent widow, to the shameless neighbor going to ask for bread. You can sum it up in ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. Now, some of you might be a little uncomfortable with how extravagant this promise is. I was wrestling with it myself. So what happens when we pray and our prayers aren't answered? Now, when... I'm not going to be able to solve this tension that we, is a mystery that the church has been, uh, there, I mean, literally the book I listen to is chapter on chapters of, of going into this topic. But I will say that what Jesus is not saying here is that when you ask, it's like you get a genie in the bottle and there's unlimited wishes. It's not like when we pray that there is a prayer like you put in your money and you press on a vending machine, what kind of outcome you want. That's not how it works. We are in the vine and we are the branches. We don't know the outcome. So what do we do though? This is hard. We look to Jesus, who is our ultimate intercessor and our example. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means the oil press, Jesus is in agony and anguish, sweating blood. He's so wrought up, and this is what he prays. He prays in Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. 
Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. So Jesus knows exactly what the plan is. We've seen him say, I know that I am, like the disciples are trying to keep him from the plan of going to the cross. He said, this is why I've come. So it's not like this is new information. He knows this is a plan. So why is Jesus asking for a different plan? This is amazing. He's giving us an example of how to engage with God in the mystery and in the pain. I mean, look at this. He says, Abba, Father. So here we have the truth that God is all loving. God is our Father. He loves us. But then he says, all things are possible with you. So on this hand, God's all powerful. But then he's, he has permission to ask, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will. I mean, he's the hero. If you were riding in the hero and he was about to go to his hour of trial, would you have made him uh, so human? So like, almost like, it seems like, are you backing out? I think God's put us in there for us to follow his example, for us to, to intercede in the same way. And we can go to God and ask why. We can go to God with saying, I know that you love me. I know that this is possible. I don't understand right now, but not my will, but yours. And that's the posture that we intercede and we ask, okay? He invites us to lament. He invites us to go to him. Jesus is asking and interceding for us. And because he did this, he now stands to intercede for us forever. But this is the example that he has, inter- he has shown to us. So how do we do this? Uh, there's a book called The Praying Life by Paul Miller. And in it, he, he goes through James 4, 2 through 3, which says there are two pitfalls we can fall on in this area of asking. The one is that we despair on one side of the road and we fall in and we just don't ask. We just feel like, you know what? My prayers either don't work or I, I'm, I just am forgetful and you don't ask. We don't wanna fall in that pitfall. On the other side of the road is that we demand. We say, this is what needs to happen and this is like, this is the outcome, okay? And he's saying, I want you to follow right in the middle, follow Jesus' example. In fact, guys, there might be an image of it that'll help people to see if you can find it. There we go. So on the one side is not asking, okay? And that's where you're just independently. And the antidote is that we need to ask boldly. And on the other side is that we ask either selfishly or we ask in demanding. And that's not good either. And we need to surrender to God completely. One of the best intercessors uh, that I know uh, and have read about and been blessed by is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor uh, uh, started the China Inland Mission, uh, and there's just in his in his book, um, in his in his testimony of his life, there's so many stories of how he said, "I'm not ready to do what God wants to do with me until I can move men with prayer." And so there's stories of him uh, as he's not getting his paycheck from his boss, and he's not asking his boss because he feels like this is a test to pray and to ask God. It's just amazing. And so there's so much, uh, so many stories of God answering prayer that he's asked. But towards the end of his life, I didn't, I didn't learn this until recently, Hudson Taylor, in his, in his older years, after the China Inland Mission is growing and successful, he has a panic attack as he's speaking. He has a nervous breakdown, and he can't help but repeat the same sentence over and over again. And so he's in the hospital, 
And, and he's recovering from this nervous breakdown. And as he does, he gets the news that there has been a revolution started in China and around 50 to 60 of his workers and the people that have believers there have been martyred. So here he is, he's having a panic attack. He gets news that maybe all of his life's work is in jeopardy. And he, he says that he can't even pray. He can't even think straight. But all he does is in his hospital bed, just says, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And that's all he can do. And he says, to me, that's remaining in the vine is just saying, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. And there's some things in life that you might be like in that situation. And later on down the road, you can see the reason why things happen. Like, oh, I see why I didn't get the answer to that prayer. I'm actually glad I didn't get the answer to that prayer. But there's other times where we don't get the answer. We don't. God doesn't promise us that this side of heaven. But may we be like Jesus and be like Hudson Taylor, who actually, when you look back at history, you see that the the underground church in China, which is probably one of the most vibrant parts of the branches in the global church right now, the seed of that happened through the blood of the martyrs that were prayed and through the prayers that were played. But Hudson Taylor at that moment doesn't know it. He doesn't know that the seed that died, what will happen of it, but he trusts. He trusts in the Lord. May we follow Jesus' example and Hudson Taylor's example as we intercede. So, How do we do this? So this is my last, as we close, I wanna give some practicals. So our theme for the year is to encounter Jesus. One of the ways that we encounter Jesus, not just personally, but in and around the city and our workplaces and neighborhoods is through interceding, is through asking. So we want to go on a uh, experiment, a journey for the next two months to build the habit of intercession in our church, okay? So we're going to do that in life groups. And if if you're new, we want to invite you to do that with us. And here's how we're going to do it. Um, On EncounterJesus.life, which I think I have, we have a picture of it up here. On our website, EncounterJesus.life, under resources, there's two things I want to point out. One is that there is a link towards uh, a deeper dive on intercessory prayer. It's the last prayer dive, prayer, uh, or it's the last line on their go deeper right there. It says intercessory prayer guide. That's going to give you some scriptures to pray and some tools to pray. So I want you to check that out. The second is that it's called the intercession prayer list, intercession prayer list. And what it is, is it's just a format. And if you can put up the prayer list of, we'll go to the, go to the next prayer list. We'll come back to that. There we go. So this is the prayer list. It just has a slot for each day of the week. So it has Sunday through Monday. And so the goal is to where God's appointed you, who in your life has God called you to intercede for and to pray for. So you put who you're praying for and you put what your prayer request is. And so if we can go back to the other uh, with the Monday, Tuesday, there we go. So here's an example of how this has played out in our marriage with Amy and I. So we realized early on that we wanted to grow in prayer and we weren't doing it for the first two years of our marriage. Uh, we just were struggling to find time or whatnot. And so we were like, we're gonna put this in the calendar. And so we came up with this rhythm of praying for a different theme each week. And you don't have to do this. This is what's worked for us. So Monday, we would pray for our marriage. Tuesday, we pray for people we're investing in, in our kids. Wednesday, we pray for our work. 
Thursday, we pray for future and future decisions. Friday for family. Saturday for the neighborhood. Sunday for nations and missionaries that we're supporting, okay? So again, you don't have to do this, but I want to show you how this works. So Amy and I have prayed at different points. Right now, we pray before we go to bed on these things. And it is not a long prayer. It is like sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes a minute, sometimes longer. And a lot of times, we're kind of elbowing the other person like it's your turn, okay? So this is not prevailing prayer for an hour of intercession every night. This is like just faithful, consistent little prayers. So I'm going to focus on Saturday, the neighborhood. So we've lived in our neighborhood for about six years. And around that time, we started this rhythm. So each Saturday night, we would pray for our neighborhood. Like, God, what would you want us to pray for our neighborhood? And over time, over weeks, we felt like God gave us this picture of our house being a gathering point, like a lighthouse. People would be drawn to it, that God would open doors for us to know our neighbors. For the first two years, we, did, we knew one neighbor, okay? We were trying to get to know people. We live in one of those streets where it has the garage in the back. So people leave in the morning, they drive out the alley, and they drive in the alley. They just, we just don't see people. Then COVID happened, and people were stuck inside, and everyone was like, oh, we have a front yard. Let's go out and talk to people. And so as we were doing that, we realized that God's actually answering our prayers in part, not saying that our prayers caused COVID. I'm just saying, (laughs) sorry, no, I'm just saying that when we're praying for our neighborhood, we're seeing, hey, there's opportunity here. We're learning people's names. And as we're continuing to pray just once a week, one minute prayers, there's people that we begin to pray for. And there's one guy in particular that just keeps coming to my mind. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for this guy. And so if in your workplace, I just encourage you, Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing. And I say what the Father is saying. God is going to give you like one person to focus on or maybe a few people to focus on. I just believe that. So just stay there. So I just started praying for this one person, this one neighbor, and I would get nervous around them because I felt like, you know, God, should I like, should I share the gospel? Should I do like, but I just kept praying. And over time, I just got to know a little bit more of his story. I asked him like, hey, let's get lunch sometime. And we got lunch and he was really hungry for God. Come to find out, he read the Gospel of Luke like for the first time that Christmas. And so I was like, hey, let's read the Bible together. So as we're praying weekly, we end up, um, me and this neighbor end up getting coffee every other week. And we just talk about reading the Bible together. And he's encouraging me and I'm encouraging him. And now we have this friendship where we're growing in the Lord and he's investing in me and I'm investing in him. And we're encouraging each other as we're leading our families. And so it's just awesome. But that starts from a place of simple prayer. And that can happen in your workplace, in your school. Um, Yeah, it can happen in so many different ways. And so just to close, we're going to go for it this this uh, next two months, now until Thanksgiving, of leading into intercession. And so we'll have actually on the way out that sheet. We printed it out. If you want a hard copy, you can also go online. But we're going to do this in life group. And I'm going to encourage you not to just pray on your own, but to share your list with other people. And let's celebrate what God's doing. Amen? Amen. Okay, if we can have the band come up to close. So God's chosen and appointed you to bear lasting fruit through intercession. And you might feel like me where you just feel weak or you feel uh, 
man, I don't know if I'm the person to do this, but God's saying, actually, there's fruit that only can come through you that I want to do in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your home. And so, and you might be here today and you feel like your prayers are not working and are discouraged in that. And I want to invite up our our staff and our, our prayer team to pray with you so that they can encourage you in this. And maybe God's pricking your heart to not be on the bench, but to get in the game and to trust him, to step in and bear fruit by joining a life group or joining people that can help you on this journey. So wherever you're at this morning, I just want to encourage you to respond. So if you can stand. We have the prayer team to come on up. I love Donnie's word about a closed fist and opening up the hand and believe that God wants to heal this morning. He wants to encourage and he wants to encourage us to take a step towards him and to seek him, that he's not far. And so this morning, whether that's you praying right at your seat, whether that's coming up for prayer, I encourage you just to respond, to respond to what God's doing in our community. And also as we go forward from here to have our eyes up and say, God, where are you wanting to use me? Where are you wanting me to sow into intercession? Where are you wanting to bear fruit that will last, that will last forever? So let's do that together. I'm gonna pray and encourage you to respond. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are the intercessor that intercedes for us. You live to make intercession for us. Thank you that you chose and appointed us, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. And so Lord, we say yes again. God, to ask and to pray. And Lord, I pray that you would come and meet us in our questions, come and meet us, God, where we need healing. Help us to say we trust you and help us to boldly ask, boldly ask for your glory and for others' good. In Jesus' name, amen.